Good evening, good evening, good evening, my beautiful friends, my beautiful family. If you're here tonight, welcome, happy New Year's Eve. I'm so, so excited to be on New Year's Eve because I believe in every day is a new day to have a new beginning. I firmly believe that. And if I can pass that along to you guys along the way based on what I've lived through, what I've experienced in my own life. But before we get into all of that, I want to say hi, how are you? Welcome. Welcome to Palma Media. If you are listening on our app, thank you so much for downloading the app. Thank you so much for your participation. If you are watching it on our website, welcome. Or listening to it, I'm sorry, it's radio. But you can imagine a picture in your mind, hopefully, of the stories that I narrate here. I would like to tell you that you're listening to Faith Ignited here on Pama Talk, which is amazing, amazing. I'm so excited that we have a place on the channel list. We are one of four channels that you can find on Palma Media. We have Palma Classic. We have Palma Talk. We have, so yes, it's, so it's Palma Classics. Pama One, uh, Futrix, and Pama Talk. And you guys, we have a very exciting news this week that we just al- announced all through our socials that if you own an Alexa, tell her I said, hey girl, and also say this to her. Alexa, please enable Portuguese media and you say what station you want. So, enable Portuguese media classic. Alexa, enable Portuguese media one. My favorite, enable Portuguese media talk. And for our Futrix, um, it is for Alexa. We made it a different name because that's kind of a weird name to remember. So it's Alexa, please enable Portuguese media um, hard style. If I got that, let me check my notes. Yes, hard style hard style so every Friday night you can say at 6 p.m. or 9 p.m. Eastern Time 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time you can say you can draw a nice bubble bath you can sit outside by a fire under a blanket under the stars you could be sitting on your couch or a chair wherever you're comfortable on on your bed on a cute little love seat all snuggled and cozy you guys know that I am all about winding down at this show On Faith Ignited, we wind down from the week. We 
Um, it's unbelievable uh, how much people have told me and how many times people have told me, oh my God, Nancy, I felt so relaxed and so um, decompressed and like I just decompressed listening to your show and it brought peace and it brought calm and it brought um, either some hope or some inspiration. I like to do those kind of stories here on Faith Ignited. We're going to talk about some other things too. Um, higher powers, the universe, God, all of those things that exist, that exist, and people like me, people like you who are listening to this and have had a rough life, people like you who are listening to this podcast and have your own secrets buried deep within the safe of your heart. That safe that you hold that key so close to your heart that only a certain few can penetrate and you make it very difficult at times for people to get to know us or approach us. Um, I love meeting people. For me, it's very natural to meet people and to talk to people and to, but I know not everyone is that way. I know not everyone is as talkative and, and you know, um, sort of not the life of the party, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I bring a party. <laughs> I usually bring a party and an entourage with me when I go somewhere. Um, the entourage consists of my mother and my husband, or my mother, my husband, and my best friend, which that is what we are doing. Um... Tonight, after the show, we're going to see the color purple. I think Oprah is a big part of it. And, you know, say what you will about Oprah, but she's doing the damn thing. She is. She is doing it. She has been able to condense or retell the story of Miss Seeley from the color purple. And I think it's from a different perspective, so I'm so excited to go watch that tonight, you guys. If you're having movie night tonight, um, cuddled up, cozy, you're gonna get cozy, you're gonna have dinner, you can listen to this podcast, eating dinner, and just relax and feel the zen feel the zen as we bring in positive positive energy let's get rid of all the stuff that we don't want to bring into 2024 you guys i read a, a really good meme and it was the end of the year is about december because we need to de-stress, declutter, and my friend Sylvia posted that, and I was like, my God, that's so true. Decompress, de-escalate, defuse all the things that made us people that we didn't want to be, maybe with certain people or or maybe we are struggling with um, relationships, personal relationships in your lives. You guys might be struggling with something like that, but I want you to know that the sun always comes in the morning. 
The sun will always rise even on the darkest night. Even on the darkest of darkest nights, the sun comes in the morning. Amen. The sun comes in the morning and that is what I say each and every day when I wake up. I say thank you Lord for another sun that rose today that I was able to be a part of. I was able to be a part of society and trying to make a difference in the best that I know how, which as you can see is why I have two podcasts because I like to talk. (laughs) Um, But um, I just want to wish you guys again a happy new year. I want to tell you guys that I'm cheersing you guys to some wine so clankety clank guys cheers cheers what is that that they do at the weddings ding 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 time to kiss kisses all around kisses all around cheers let's uh leave our Things in December where they belong. Cheers. Let's I'm gonna take a sip of my beverage. Stand by. Oh, that's good. I'm sipping on a little Pinot Grigio tonight. And it has been chilled in the refrigerator and it's my favorite kind of wine. So I hope you guys have something yummy to drink. Something yummy to eat. New Year's Eve, Feast of the Seven Fishes. There's a lot of traditions. Black Eyed Peas. Um, I think lamb is something to do with New Year's Eve. Um, there's so many um, myths about New Year's Eve, right? Like, what are the things we're supposed to do? Hey, let's go over some of those things. Let's go over some of those things that we're supposed to um that we're supposed to do. (laughs) Uh, We just have to uh, we just have to stay um, focused on the prize ahead which is helping our brother and sisters in the world with us. So much um war and things that we don't have to worry about in our country where we have so much freedom for all those who are overseas this year for the holidays our troops our vets cheers to you cheers to you and your service and thank you Thank you for your service. Okay, guys, I had to go and look and see what we're supposed to be eating tonight and why. So we're going to run down this list together because some of this stuff, y'all, I've never heard of. But number one on the list, according to CNN.com is Hoppin' John in the American South. A major New Year's food tradition in the American South, Hoppin' John is a dish of pork-flavored field peas or black-eyed peas, which symbolizes coins and rice frequently served with collards or other cooked greens as they're the color of money and cornbread, the color of gold. The dish is said to bring you good luck in the new year. Amen. Hoppin' John, let's hop to it, John. All right, guys, that's um, South Carolina. Low country cooking, all those people in the south of America. 
Um, number two on the list is 12 Grapes. This hails to us from Spain. Oh, it says in Spain, they bring in the new year with 12 grapes. This tradition has been spread to many Spanish-speaking countries. The people of Spain traditionally watch a broadcast from Puerta del Sol, Madrid, where revelers gather in front of the square's clock tower to ring in the new year. So it is thought up by grapes, uh, grape producers in the southern part of the country. Um, because it says, um, people of Spain traditionally watch a broadcast of the Frontier Square clock. Those out in the square are watching a home partake in an unusual annual tradition. At the stroke of midnight, they eat one grape for every toll of the clock bell. Some even bring and prep their grapes, peeled and seeding them, to make sure they will be as efficient as possible when midnight comes. I might try that. We might try that. Uh, baby, if you're listening, my honey, and uh, bestie, you probably will be here, so we're going to eat with 12 grapes. Ooh, I like this third one, tamales. That comes from Mexico, guys. Tamales are corn dough stuffed with meat, cheese, and other delicious additions and wrapped in a banana leaf or corn husk. They make appearances at pretty much every special occasion in Mexico, but the holiday season is an extremely special, especially favored time for this food. In many families, groups of women gather together to make hundreds of little packets with each person in charge of one aspect of the cooking process to hand out to friends, family, and neighbors. On New Year's, it's often served with menudo, a tripe and hominy soup that is famously good for hangovers. Those who live in cities with large Mexican populations shouldn't have much trouble finding restaurants selling tamales to go with New Year's Eve day. In Mexico City, city steamed tamales are sold from vendors on street corners day and night. All right, guys. Number four is Olibolan. Olibolan. This comes from the Netherlands, and we're going to pass that up because I don't even know what an Owali Bolin is, but it said, oh, wait a minute, it says it's a donut-like product? Well, uh, hold on, let me read about this now. Traditionally made, consumed in the Netherlands during New Year's Eve. The Netherlands, the fried oil balls, or oil bolin, are sold on streetcars and are traditionally consumed on New Year's Eve at special celebratory fairs, they are a donut-like dumpling made by dropping a scoop of dough spiked with currants or raisins into a deep fryer, then dusted with powdered sugar. In Amsterdam, be on the lookout for Olibolin crams little temporary shacks or trailers on the street selling packets of hot fried round donuts. Okay, now that's something I can get behind. I love me a little mini donut hole. Number five is marzipan in Austria and Germany. 
Okay, guys. Austria and neighbor Germany call New Year's Eve Sveiselbend on eve of St. Sylvester. Austrian revelers drink a cup of wine punch with cinnamon and spices, eat a suckling pig for dinner, Aww. and decorate the table with little pigs made of marzipan called marzipanschwen. Good luck pigs for gluten schwein, which are made of all sorts of things and are also commonly known as gifts throughout both Austria and Germany. All right. In Japan, they eat soba noodles in Japan. In Japanese households, Families eat buckwheat soba noodles at midnight on New Year's Eve to bid farewell to the year gone by and welcome the year to come. The tradition dates back to the 17th century and the long noodle symbolizes longevity and prosperity. Another custom called mochuki, mochusuki, Friends and family spend the day before New Year's pounding mochi rice cakes. Sweet, gluttonous rice is washed, soaked, steamed, and pounded into a smooth mass. Then guests take turns pinching off pieces to make into small buns that are later eaten for dessert. Interesting. I've heard of this one called King Cake. This is known around the globe, King Cake. The tradition of a New Year's cake is often one that spans from countless cultures. The Greeks have the Valles Polita, the French, the Gatineau of Galette or Galette de Royce, Mexicans have the Rosca de Reyes, and Bulgarians enjoy the Banitsa. Most of the cakes are consumed at midnight on New Year's Eve, though in some cultures they cut their cake on Christmas Day or on the Epiphany, which is January 6th, and it includes a hidden gold coin or figure which symbolizes a prosperous year from whomever finds it in their slice. Mm. So here we go, guys. I think there's 10 things on this list. Number eight is Cotecino con letecine in Italy. It is a yummy Italian pairing of sausage and lentils. Italians celebrate New Year's Eve with La Feste de San Silvestro, often commencing with the traditional cotecino con letecine, a sausage and lentil stew that is said to bring good luck. The lentils represent money and good fortune. And in certain households, zampone, a stuffed pig's trotter. The meal ends with the chiacchetti, balls of fried dough that are rolled in honey, powdered sugar, and sipping a prosecco. The dishes find their roots in Modena, but New Year's Eve feasts thrive across the country. Pickled herring in Poland and Scandinavia. Apparently herring means abundance. Number 10 in Denmark and Norway is something called Kransikadze. Kransikadze is literally a wreath cake. It's a beautiful looking cake. It's a cake tower picture, a tower of 
donuts getting from smaller to larger to medium sized and piped with like some kind of icing or something around it. But it's a wreath cake. It's cake tower composed of concentric rings of cake layered atop one another. Um, and that's how they celebrate it. The cake is made using marzipan, which we talked about that being um, a New Year's Eve tradition. So Portuguese people, me, our family, Usually on New Year's Eve, we eat whatever sounds good. That's usually the case on most nights. However, this Christmas, not this Christmas, this New Year's Eve, we're going to a beautiful dinner with mom and dad and hubby and bestie. And we're going to go celebrate a beautiful dinner. Um, and we're going to ring in the new year. So I hope you guys are staying safe. Please, 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 please don't drink and drive, guys. Please. There are so many accidents. Not only that, but so many DUI checkpoints all over the place. You don't want to get pulled over. You don't want to be that dude or that dudette. That girl or that guy that gets pulled over on New Year's Eve. Oh, you stay in jail for a couple of days till they get to you. So let's all be safe and remember Alpha Cab. You can, I believe it's 1-800-ALPHA-CAB. They can come get you. But now you guys have Ubers and Lyfts and all kinds of things taking you. We had Alpha Cab and you could call them. And I did call them on occasion for a ride home. So, not sure, don't quote me on that, that they're still in existence. This was probably 30 years ago. But um, we're going to get into our story for tonight. And I'm excited to share this story with you guys. I believe that you guys are going to enjoy it. It's a story of hope, faith, and restoration. And before we get into our story tonight... I thought I'd put the ocean in the background. Peaceful, serene music in the background. Where you get to hear the sounds of the ocean. The ebbs and the flows of life. The ebbs and the flows of the ocean. I'm going to try something with anyone who's willing to try this with me tonight. I just want to do like a guided meditation to release any tension that you guys may be feeling, anything that you're struggling with. I would like to start this story with getting that tension set at bay, getting you into a more calm and relaxed state now that we're ready for our story time. Let your thoughts kind of wander with the ocean waves. I want you to feel that inner calm, that inner peace that being at the ocean does for oneself. Smell that fresh ocean air. You're bundled up, it might be windy, or you're dressed down in a bikini top and shorts or a swimsuit and shorts and you're uh, coming to a comfortable, comfortable place. So I want to begin first by taking in a deep breath. 
Breathe out, and when you breathe out, I want you to exhale thoughts of negativity, exhale thoughts of fear. <sighs> exhale everything this year has been. Let me take one more breath for 2023 because it was a tough year. I'm going to go ahead and take one more breath in through my nostrils, out. Blow all of that tension and stress away, even if it's just for a little while. I want your feet to either, they can either be on the ground or your legs can be stretched out long. As your eyes begin to close, you turn your attention to the crown of your head and allow it to relax. Feel your head grow heavy and the ground rise up to support it. Slowly, I would like you to take a trip down your body. Feel the muscles in your neck. Relax. Feel free to move your head from side to side. Move your head a little if you feel that that might help. By all means, do so. Next, allow your shoulders to relax and grow heavy. Then your chest and upper arms. And finally, your belly and lower back. When your lower back has released, you bring your attention to the lower arms, to your hands. Allow things to soften. Travel slowly in your mind across to the hips and feel them grow heavy. The thighs heavy. Thighs, your knees. And your calf muscles. Imagine someone giving you a lovely leg massage. Gently rubbing that tension from your legs, from your shoulders, from your feet, from your head. Let that tension melt away as each finger touches different spots in and around your neck during this lovely lovely relaxing massage and descend gently over to the ankles and all the way down to the feet as your feet begin to relax remind yourself this I am 
free. I am free. Our story tonight talks about forgiveness and restoration. I will begin at the end, which for me was the beginning of an unexpected walk of faith. Late in the evening on December 26, 1989, there was a knock at the door. It was my parents who lived about 45 minutes away. They had come to tell me that my sweet son, Ronald Lawrence Cole III, had been killed by a drunk driver while riding his 10-speed bike. My world turned upside down that night and it has been difficult for me ever since that day. I was sent down a path that no parent expects to ever take. A lonely road of losing a child. My parents consoled me as I cried and my two stepsons woke up to my cries. No, no, no. No, no, no. It was a very sad night. I put on the Florida Gators t-shirt Ronnie had given me for Christmas. As I fell into a slumber in the wee hours of the morning. I felt a little closer to him. The next morning I awoke to the realization that I needed to tell my sweet 12-year-old daughter, Natasha, that her dear brother had been killed. I was so very afraid. God was going to have to give me the words and I dreaded telling her. How many of us have had conversations like that where we've dreaded having that conversation with somebody? We know it's going to be bad news and we know we don't want to be the one to deliver it continue forward as the words came forth like an ugly monster I could hear her heart crack as her tears fell all over me she and I clung to one another as if we would surely die ourselves would we ever survive this day? There is nothing like Christian parents and a family of Christian friends, my parents and best friend. We were all over first thing the next morning. They all came over. We talked about Ronnie his memories flooded the room. I think we have may even laughed at some. Those final days are so full of denial that I know my memories are altered. But I remember it was like being in a daze. I had to be told each step to take. And I still remember my dad saying, 
We need to go to the funeral home. And I realized, oh yeah. I have to go pick out a casket, don't I? We continued on the mission that no parent ever wants to take. I screamed in my head over and over. Why God? Why me? Why, why, why? Why me? It was a question I would ask God for months. I picked out a casket when I should have been helping Ronnie pick out a glass ring. He was only six weeks into his senior year I had spent a small fortune on braces as a single mom. All those growing up years, where were the fruits to enjoy? Instead of planning his senior prom, I was planning his funeral. It was so unfair I can remember telling God you have no idea do you you have no idea how I feel I never felt so alone in my whole life and yet I was surrounded by Loving family and friends. I'm picturing myself in this family right now. And this mother. Oh, my heart. In the months to come, I questioned God over and over and over. Why didn't he intervene? It seemed so wrong. It was so, so wrong. I struggled with the meaning of my life. Being a secretary was no longer fulfilling. Life had to be more than that for me. I went back to college to become a nurse, and that was my dream for years, one I had shared with Ronnie. As we sat on the front porch during his visit that summer, I told him I wanted to be a nurse, and he asked me what kind of nurse. I said a pediatric nurse, but that I didn't think I could handle the death of a child. Imprinted in my brain like a brand of Ronnie's response as he turned around and held my hands. He looked into my eyes with those beautiful baby blues of his. Mom, you are so strong in the Lord. You could handle that. Many, many times those words rang in my ears. He believed in me. He believed that I could handle it. He believed in my faith. Yes, faith. What a struggle that was these days. What did I believe? At times I believed that God didn't really care about all the hairs on my head. Because if he did, he would have intervened. Isn't that what God does for people? 
his special people. I struggled so much with free will and consequences, faith and grace. One minute I would pray and talk to God, the next I would cry and blame him. Yes, after the shock and denial wore off, there was such anger and sadness. You could feel all alone as you walked through the malls at Christmas time. It seemed everyone was laughing. As you feel your heart shattered in a world that will never ever be the same. Will there ever be true joy again? Does joy really come in the morning? I could not see God's hand in my everyday life, but I look back now and see that he truly carried me through the nightmare of grief. I recall many rough moments I cried at a friend's daughter's wedding knowing I would never see my son standing at the end of an aisle waiting for his bride. And what would she be like? What would he have become? How many grandchildren did Satan rob from me? Yes, I started realizing it was Satan who had come to steal, kill, and destroy. In my grief, I did not always go to the world or to the word for comfort. I would sometimes play right into Satan's hands and not even go to church. At other times, I used the Bible for comfort. I found I could only listen to Christian songs on the radio. That rock music could not give me the rock that my Jesus was. I bought, I bought Russ Taft's song, I Still Believe, and I would play it over and over and over and play it and play it. It was my spiritual warfare song because it was clear Satan had stolen my son and now he was after my heart. <sighs> At times I wondered how saved was Ronnie. He had gone to a youth trip one summer. He had recommitted his life to Jesus. So Satan said to me often, you don't know if he stayed saved, do you? You don't know if he stayed saved, do you? And it was a horrible, reoccurring, haunting thought, right? Out of the pits of hell. I so needed peace. Where was my peace? Where was my prince of peace? Anger, oh, how anger and how angry I was at God at life, at a drunk driver who crashed into my baby boy. Yes, life is not fair. I went to a church meeting about five months after Ronnie's death. Spring was in the air. And the birds were singing and I felt like the world was coming back to life just a little bit, but not my Ronnie. 
the speaker that night talked about anger and forgiveness that I had to forgive. I had said so in my heart. God, forgive this enemy of mine who killed my Ronnie. Yet when the altar call came, my feet took up me up front. My feet took me up front to that church, to that altar, to a man I will never forget. He was of American Indian background. He knew much more about spiritual warfare and about how my dad's age and my son about my age and his son about my age asked me what my prayer was. I told him that my son had been killed by a drunk driver and I wasn't sure that I had forgiven him or even could. He then asked me if I prayed for him. I said yes every night. He said, if I prayed out loud and reminded me whatsoever the mouth speaks is made known in my heart. He asked me to repeat after him, which I obediently did by the grace of God. I forgive. What's his name, honey? I bolted through my hands down and this angry voice I did not recognize said, I can't do this. He got in my face and said, that's right, you can't. Only Jesus in you can. Then he asked me if God had forgiven then he asked me if God had forgiven me of anything. Wow. Did I see my life and former sins flash before my eyes? I was broken. My God and his grace had forgiven me of so much. He told me if I wanted God's continued forgiveness, I too must forgive him in Jesus' name. He could see I was ready. So again, he said, repeat after me, honey. By the grace of God, I said, by the grace of God, he said, I forgive. I said, I forgive. He said, what's his name? I said, S-C-A. At that moment, I bawled like a baby. I felt 50 pounds lighter and I cried and cried and cried. It was so freeing. He reminded me the thief would come time and time again to steal my joy. He said I needed to pray out loud daily for SCA. I do and I still do and I always will till the day I die. The following Sunday was amazing. I was at church and a pastor told us to look up a scripture. I misunderstood him and wound up on a page with the subtitle standing out to me like a lighthouse beacon. Forgiveness for the sinner.
Corinthians 2, verse 5. Yes, God was calling me to do more than I could have imagined. I have learned that this is his trademark. He's the more than I can imagine God. On the sixth month anniversary of Ronnie's death, the first sad milestone, I sat down and wrote a letter to SCA. God put it on my heart from the scripture and I was afraid not to be obedient. My heels were dug in the ground and God was pulling me forward to a new level. I was quite resilient. I wrote the letter and shared my experience with him. I was ordered by God to also mail a Bible to him. Wow, God, what next? So in my half obedience, I bought a paperback student study Bible. I mailed it to the prison. And several days later, it came back to me. Water damage. It looked like it had been dropped into a puddle of water and then dried. It looked awful. I called the prison to find out why it came back to me and they explained that a security procedure that required much red tape. If the name ends in these letters of the alphabet, you have to do this and on and on. I finally said in a very exhausted, tearful voice, lady, please, I just want to mail a Bible to the drunk driver who killed my son. You could hear a pin drop. She paused for some time to no doubt recuperate from the shock of my statement. Then she spoke to me in a totally different tone of voice, one of compassion. She told me I could mail it to him through the prison chaplain's office. So once again, I set out on a mission to a Christian bookstore for a new Bible, a study Bible for the man who killed my son. As I arrived at the store, I was shown the leather-bound Bibles that were on sale. Wow, talk about pretty, and the price was not much more than the paperback. In my heart, I did not want to buy a pretty Bible for him. Yet my betraying legs walked me to the checkout counter. The sales clerk asked me if it was a gift. My mind did not act like that was it at all. This man did not deserve a gift and certainly not my holy God's word. Oh, no, no, at all, I thought. Yet my betraying mouth said, yes, ma'am, it is a gift. She then explained that it is a simple store policy to engrave the receiver's name on the Bible at no additional cost. And it would only take about 10 minutes Would I like that. My mind screamed, no, 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 not his name on my precious Lord's word. Once again, my mouth betrayed me as the words flowed from my lips that said, yes, ma'am, that would be very nice. I was a bit angry with God. Wasn't he pushing this obedience thing a bit too far? 
my flesh and my spirit were having one really big battle. God, I prayed, please help me. Please help me have the spirit of love and grace that you have for me. And I went home, wrapped the Bible and quickly shipped it to the prison chaplain engraved in beautiful gold letters that read SCA. Seemed so very cold seeing his name on the Bible and my son's on his tombstone. Yes, it was very odd indeed. About three days later, as we were eating breakfast, we received a phone call. My husband, Bill, answered the phone and anxiously shared, it's the prison in Florida. It's the pastor you mailed the Bible to SCA through. As we spoke, the chaplain said, words so amazing that I will never forget. He informed me that he had received the Bible with the letter explaining to give it to SCA. He had never met SCA before as he did not attend prison church service. So he called him into the office. He told me SCA opened the Bible and read to SCA from Ruth Whittingill in memory of Ronald Lawrence Cole III. He broke down sobbing heaving tears for a very, very long time. Finally, when he could utter some words through his continued sobbing, he said, no one, and I do mean no one, has ever given me a Bible as a gift in my life. And of all people, her, the chaplain said he had seen a lot of people in his lifetime talk the talk. Lady, you are truly walking the walk. I told him it was only Jesus in me, not me. I said that I was struggling with the obedience to do what God had put in my heart. It was only through the grace of God that I could do this. The chaplain assured me that it was still a choice of obedience. It felt good to have done the right thing. It felt good to know, as the pastor had put it, today you made a difference in this young man's life. I don't know about his tomorrow, but today, today you have made a difference. SCA responded with a letter that was full of surprises. I learned that he had had a very rough life. He lost his biological mom to acute alcoholism. When he was only three years old, he lost his stepmom to cancer. When he was 23, his father was in a nursing home unaware he had a son in jail. He said he couldn't write to him and break his heart. He had a sister that he had cared for who had been an alcohol-related wreck, leaving her paraplegic. Only in her case, she had been the drunk driver. She was now in a nursing home. He had an LPN degree and had been working in a nursing home himself before the accident. He asked me why I had sent this gift to him as he felt undeserving to receive such a gift. very undeserving of this act of grace that Jesus had done through me. 
I continued to write throughout the jail term, sharing Jesus with him. I prayed for guidance for the rest, for the right scriptures. You see, he had shared that he had come to realize that if I, the mother of the young man he killed, could forgive him, he somehow knew that God could forgive him too. It gave him back his faith. We are all sinners saved by grace, and none of us deserve what God gives us. I also had to believe that my son, so dear on my heart, had made a difference in this man's life. It'd be such a waste of Ronnie's death had it made no difference. Then Satan would have won time and time again, but God has given me peace that surpasses any and all understanding. How could I not pass that love on? Yes, this is the way Ronnie would have wanted it. God has rewarded my obedience tenfold in countless ways. His love is forever, as is his sweet grace. Amen, 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 guys. And that wraps it up for this story. Um, she kind of goes on to say um, that he ended up painting her a picture. It was a picture of... Oh, I'm going to cry. He ended up painting her a picture of a little a young man being welcomed into heaven with Jesus hugging him, Jesus having a huge smile on his face. A prisoner sent that mother that painting. So special, it looks just like my Ronnie with Jesus. Ronnie was six feet tall, slim, same uncanny profile, same hair, same color, same style. That's my child with my father. What a gift from God. What peace this picture has given me. God truly knows the number of hairs on our head. Just look at my Ronnie. Happy New Year's. God bless. Good night.